Today's episode of the Theater People podcast is brought to you by Stage Door Manor. For information on their summer theater programs, you can check them out at stagedoormanor.com. Hey, theater people, Patrick here. Just a reminder that if you're loving theater people and Broadway backstory, we'd love it if you'd consider becoming a theater people patron. For as little as $1 per month, you can help keep us going and growing. You guys, we're bringing you nearly 40 episodes of the Theater People podcast this Tony Awards season. That's nearly double the amount of episodes we usually produce in the same amount of time. And that takes a lot of time, work, and dedication. So if you want to throw us some love, you can visit our patrons page at patreon.com. Just go to patreon.com and search for Theater People Podcast, or you can click the link from our website, which is theater with an erppl.com, and click the Patreon link. Okay, now to the show. Telling me to hold you tight and dance like it's the last night of the world. Welcome to the Theater People Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Hines. You guys, I really mean it when I say that the interview I did with today's guest, Miss Saigon's leading lady, Eva Noblezada, is one of the most memorable for me that I've ever done. I can't put my finger on exactly why, but I just loved her. Her story of literally being plucked from obscurity at the age of 17 is unlike any I've ever heard. And the way that she rose to the occasion grew up so quickly, but at the same time managed to stay grounded and focused is so inspiring and exciting. I don't want to give away too much of her story here in the introduction, so I'll just say that Eva is giving a truly dynamic performance and is making a thrilling and complex Broadway debut as Kim in this year's revival of Miss Saigon. Okay, here's our conversation. It's telling me to hold you tight and dance like it's the last night of the world. Hi. Hello. Okay, wait a minute. Eva Noblezada. Eva Noblezada. I am the literally the worst. Well, Eva no- the worst. Eva Noblezada. <laughs> Hello, darling. Hi. I'm so happy to meet you. I've been like researching you all day, and I am like, I find your story to be the most amazingly incredible story. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that you were literally just like discovered. Yeah. That never happens. Never. Only in movies. Only in movies. <laughs> okay. Will you tell before we get to the discovering will you talk about like what level of like professional training you had before that it wasn't professional training i think it was if there was a tier below professional training Mm -hmm. that's what it would be so like local classes barely yeah i mean i couldn't afford local classes i'm i went to one kind of like broadway thingy that some some gentleman from the broadway community came down and taught us a class but that was kind of a bad experience um but other than that it was just school and dance classes outside with the same choreographer used to come in and teach um dance at our school so it was really just through school um and where did you grow up i was born and raised in california and then i moved to north carolina when i was around seven and um i was i've been there since wow 10 years i was there and so you were attending okay i'm gonna say i i i I, like did 
musical theater in high school in like oh, my amazing. High school, but like had never heard of this okay it's called the national high school musical theater awards yeah. also known as the jimmy awards jimmy awards what are they it's pretty much this amazing platform and opportunity to showcase young talent in america because you know you've got there's so many arts programs in so many different parts of 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 the the states that aren't really pushed to the surface they're just kind of like brushed under the the rug a bit and it's just an amazing opportunity to show what I mean, each state has to offer, I guess, and the amazing emerging talent of young artists. So it's it's a great thing. I mean, I think it's fairly recent, as in like the past 10 years. It's, it's apparently recently been taken over by the Broadway League. Yes. Now, is it a thing where you like are in a show in your high school and you come and do it in New York? Or is it like, what is it? What happens is each state has its own kind of regional competition to choose the top two students they're going to send to represent the state. So oh. for my state, for North Carolina, it was called, it's called the Bloomy Awards, which is amazing. There's amazing community of theater people. And um, it was myself and a friend, Ariane Mobisher, that got sent and flown to New York to represent North Carolina. And what we do is we don't do our show. We do, um, they put us in medleys. Um, with like I was in a medley with like five six other females and we sang a solo from the show that we were from and our characters and our costumes it's, it's really fun but um, we bring two contrasting songs that we kind of workshop throughout the week with um, vocal coaches mine was Liz Calloway how what? funny is that oh. I know oh wow know. that was some amazing foreshadowing L- literally like the funniest thing because I saw her opening and she was like it's so good to see you and I was like Liz Calloway have you been in touch between then and now well yeah she messaged me when I moved to London I went to one of her concerts and kind of cried when she sang Journey to the past right in front oh of me at the God. crazy clocks and it was amazing but she was the most gentle encouraging loving amazing coach ever but it's it's great but that's amazing they get the, leslie odom jr was also there coaching but they humana, humana. i know right <laughs> they, they bring all these amazing broadway um, alumni to come and teach these students who are just so hungry to to learn notes, to learn exactly and then what happens do you is it a thing where you then like is it like a competition where you like you like perform in front of judges or something they say they, it see this is what's wrong with Patrick you see you you say we say it's a competition but for me it's not a competition yeah. for me it's just a bunch of excited passionate students just wanting to come together and sing and like go oh my gosh you're amazing oh my gosh no you're amazing <laughs> and just kind of like grow together and learn together I mean that's just it was such a healthy environment that um you know, by the end of the actual show at, on the, at the Minskoff, that the final day after the week of, of workshops and rehearsals, you know, it was just a celebration of yeah. just each other. Like, no one really cared who, who like, won or, like, was, was tops or whatever. It was just, like, we were on stage together performing. And that was, like, to us, the biggest kind of achievement we could have gotten at that time. I mean, that is so cool. It's amazing. It's so good to be a part of it. And so what... I read that like Tara Rubin approached you. Yeah, well, my theater teacher from Northwest School of the Arts, Bonnie Fraker, is you know really good friends with Tara Rubin, and um, it just so happened that she was in the audience, and I sang a solo from Ghost the Musical, and it just so happens that she cast that musical, <laughs> and yeah. um, she knew about the upcoming auditions for Miss Saigon. I had no clue, and so she approached me afterwards with my theater teacher, um, Bonnie Fraker, and said. <laughs> Do you know about the auditions? Can I please set you up with an audition? I was like, yes, please. Oh, my goodness. It was mental. And so how long after that was the actual audition? I uh, I would say two or three months. It was kind of a whirlwind. So you go home? Mm -hmm. And and what did you do to prepare? Well, I went back and they didn't send me the information until like a month or two after. And then we drove back up to New York, did our first audition with Lawrence, drove back home. About a few weeks later, drove back up to New York. And that was the audition in front of Cameron. 
That's it. Just two auditions. It was one audition with Lawrence. Kind of the second one was like a prep and prime. Like this is a serious Eva. You're auditioning for Kim. You're you might get it. And then the third audition was in um, where's Phantom at the moment? Her Uh The um, the majestic. Yes. Um, it was on stage there, and Cameron pulled me down in the stall. Sorry, not the stalls, the auditorium, <laughs> and um, asked if I wanted to move to London. <gasps> Just. By yourself. Well, it was... My dad was with me. Like, how amazing is that? Oh, my goodness. It was just like... He just looked at me. I was like, do you want to move to London? I was like, yeah, I do. Oh, my God. I'm going to sob. It was amazing. At what point did you start to feel like... In the audition process, did you start to feel like this could actually happen? First, like, approach from Tara. Really? When I got the... I mean, it was kind of like that spark inside of me that was like, oh, God. Like, I might actually do something. (laughs) And And you were how old? I was 17. And, okay, I have a three-year-old daughter. <gasps> oh, my God. I, yeah, she's the cutest. Yes, I'll show you pictures later. Okay. Um, I, I, I cannot imagine. I mean, I, I mean, of, of course, I, I, my brain is just instantly thinking, like, would I want, like, would I let my 17-year-old daughter move to, like, what are the next steps? So he offers you the job and yeah, then Yeah, he what? offers me the job. I go back home and I can't tell anybody <gasps> at an art school. Can you imagine how hard that was? And then you, you have all my- um, You know you sound a little British. I've got an inflection, yes. I've been told. I'm proud of it. No, I'm not Madonna. I did not pick it up on accident, okay? It's difficult living in London for three years, having to do an English accent and Les Miserables, and then my boyfriend is very, very, very British. Wow. It's just, I'm not escaping from it, and I love it. I know. I'm dying to go back to London. I'm dying to find, okay, so so you get offered the job. Yeah, I get offered the job. I go back home. It was so funny because all my like my um because I never wanted to go to college. I never thought it was for me personally. Yep. Um, I always wanted to move to New York, become a waitress, and like rough it out and like audition <laughs> with everyone else. You're not gonna have to do that. Well, I wanted to. I was desperate to. But all my all my high school um teachers were like, Eva, you need to get your college applications in now. Like yep. you should have done that last year. And I was like, and okay, you went to a performing jokes arts on high you. School. Oh, for seven years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was like, jokes on you. You have no idea. The <gasps> and they didn't. And you couldn't tell them. Nobody knew. The only person that knew was my um. I was able to tell a week before the press release came out. I was able to tell my principal, of course, obviously, and my theater teachers and like my two best friends. And everyone else was like, why are you like being all weird? Like, <laughs> what did your, what did everybody say when you told them? When it came out, I was at home and um, like Twitter was new to me. Okay. So I, I was that. like on Twitter, like, oh my gosh, I have 50 followers. I'm so popular. <laughs> um, no offense to people who have less than 50 followers. I'm not saying that like <laughs> <laughs> decides your worth in life, but it just blew up. It was like, it was just like my friends like what the like calling me and going what is wrong with you why didn't you tell me uh, my theater teacher who like gave me a long lecture in the car mr henson i'm talking to you <laughs> about going to college and how i needed to get my crap together was like you like oh i can't believe that you didn't tell me it was it's for me it was quite comedic because i knew the whole time that is amazing okay so how how much time once the news broke until you like get on a plane and go to london well Passport thingies here are very strange. Yeah. And the visa process, it took a lot longer than we were hoping. But um, the news came out. Oh, my goodness. When the news Around September or September, November. And then I got on a plane January 5th. And we got into London January 6th. And when did you, like, start rehearsal? So I'm going to tell you this because not many people know about this. Oh, my goodness. Like, very few people know. I actually did Les Mis for, like, three months before I did Miss Saigon. I heard you say that a second ago. So you went... Well, I, well I, it's it's weird. I did Les Mis for three months, then did Saigon. After Saigon closed, I did Les Mis for a year, again, as Eponine. Uh, both times? 
first time I had to be like a ghost because then people would be like, so what? So Les Mis was actually your Western debut, but it wasn't. It was, it was literally like the coolest onstage, like experience. Like I was an intern pretty much like just learning the ropes and learning the vernacular of how Western stage works and just professional. Was that intentional? Were they like, they, they, they told me, so I knew about three weeks before that I was going to be in Les Mis and I was like, Oh my God. Um, (laughs) And who were you in Les Mis? The first three months, yeah, I was literally like eighteenth whore. <laughs> like the, when we had a cut show, that is the only time I had a line. Are you serious? Well, I had a line in the show. It was, um, "Where's that new world? Now the fighting's done." That was my only wow. line. But sometimes, if it was a cut show, I got to say, "Take a look at his trousers. You'll see where he stands." <laughs> What's a cut show? What does that mean? It means if there's more than um, people off that the swings can cover some oh. tracks are cut some some people on stage have to um, cover more tracks than they normally do um but that's like now when everyone's getting sick and yeah. like seasons are yeah. changing but that was yeah so cameron mcintosh said to you we're gonna put you in lame Miz for three months so you get so you can learn the ropes yeah, yeah. that is fascinating it was amazing it was really um thought through because when i started miss saigon i knew so many people already yeah. i knew how it was like to go through a rehearsal process and be on stage and how everything worked so it didn't it wasn't scary i was going to ask you about that because to me it seemed like not only were you like making this incredible debut but like you were you were the the cast leader like you're yeah. the one everyone's going to look to to be yeah. like how how we, how do we do this so you do it for three months and then you go into rehearsals. And then we start rehearsals. We started rehearsals March 10th, 2014. And how, what was, what was it like to go into, what did you go in knowing? Did you, were you off book or like? Oh God, I was not off book. No. Like I knew some of the music, but I'm learned, I learned everything in rehearsals. How long did you rehearsal over there? It was two months almost. Oh, okay. Okay. That including a bit of tech as well. Mm -hmm. I honestly, like, I'm not going to get any, anything away on this podcast. I didn't know the ending until I read the script. Like, oh, Miss Saigon. Two days into mm-hmm. rehearsal. So because you I, didn't, went, okay. I didn't watch anything. Yeah. I, that does not help me. That is nothing but well, I had me. read that you were, you had said that you need to be, like, a blank slate. Yeah, but also, like, why would I, it's a revival and, like, it's easy to compare cast revival revival to the original, which is just, it, it's natural. It's what yeah, happens. Yeah. But I didn't want to fall into that pit of, oh, my goodness. Um, she's taking things from Leia. She's mm-hmm. taking things from Joanna. She's taking things from Ima. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Because, you know, every Kim's different. But yep. w- what brings us together is this ability to be able to, to put this role on stage and, and tell our story. Like, there are similarities between every Kim. But for me personally, I never, ever want to take anything subconsciously from other artists. For me, to me, that's just, that's terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't do that. That's just not original at all. And they work hard. Artists work hard to be to be original, organic on stage. And that's I wanted to challenge myself to the fullest to make sure that everything was from me. Everything was from me asking questions from like John John, who's just like oh my, my god, my that best guy. Friend. He is he is he is amazing. The two of you on that stage He's together, insane. incredible. I have a question about him in a second, but yeah. I wanted. So you didn't like grow up on like the Broadway cast album of Miss Saigon? Oh no, so I knew I had it. like the two like. Asian girl songs that you had to have in your yeah. rap. But <laughs> yeah, other than yeah, that, yeah. I didn't know anything about it. And so when you're going through the rehearsal process, were you intimidated or were you excited? Did you feel, um, did you feel, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Professionally prepared? I didn't feel professionally prefer- prepared. Sorry. Um, I actually had a lot of trouble with that, with like my confidence and self-esteem because I was in a room with all these professionally trained people and people who had done some some of them had done Saigon more than three times, four times yeah. before. And here I am, like, you know, I had lame as experience, but then 
to to lead a show. Yeah. There comes responsibility on and off stage. And I was like, I had to really learn the hard way. And I'm grateful for that. What was the hard way? The hard way was going, you know, my my health wasn't right. My 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 physical, you know, condition wasn't how it should have been because you know, I was a baby when yeah, I started. Yeah, yeah, so there's no way I would have known. So I had to push my limits physically and emotionally and mentally to make sure that I was ready and like you could throw me around by the end of the year. By yeah. the end of that year, I mean, you could do anything to me and I'd be like, "All right, next." Yeah, yeah. But it took a lot of tears, it took a lot of literally blood being thrown around on stage and finding what was good for my body my health when i moved to london was man it was not good i i gymmed it i ate healthy you know it was a lot for a teenage girl to withstand but it made me you know the woman i am today do you think that that knowing what knowing at least that you needed to get your act together did that come from going to a professional high school no no i think well, see, so the high school wasn't professional. Or just like a performing arts yeah, high school. It, it was to an extent. What I'm, I'm grateful for my school for teaching me the lessons of working hard, but there was a lot of things I had to do by myself. Yeah. Had I, or I wouldn't honestly would have not been prepared. I mean, I was in the library. I was reading. I was right, li- literally re- watching movie musicals on TV and, and like Jane Austen on TV and writing the script down by hand, memorizing every single word, teaching myself how to cry in the shower. And the only thing that I didn't really quite understand was I had to be emotionally stable. I had to be physically fit to do a job like that. And I didn't know yep. until I was in Miss Saigon. That, those two things, which are quite heavy things, hit me like a brick in the face. Do you have cords of steel or did you, was it a struggle to get through? Oh, God, it, it was a struggle. Yeah. I had, um, it was a struggle because I was only doing six. I, oh. I've never done more than six unless there was, I did an eight show week once, but for some reason I was like, that was a breeze. Let's do it again. <laughs> do you do six here too? I do six here as well. But that's, that's normal though, right? I mean like yeah. Leah Salonga did six shows. Like every, all the Kims do six shows. Yeah. So it's not like you were like the first one to take t- two shows off. No, but like who can ask like a person who's not got her crap together to do eight Kims a week, you know? No, like, yeah. I can't crazy. even imagine. I can't, I don't know how you do six shows a week. Um, was John John in the company when you started in the West yeah. End? I've never not worked with him in a Saigon show. And he, just from reading his playbill, John John plays the engineer, he has done that show all over the place. All right? over the place. So were you able to go to him? Was he able to be there for you? Or how does that work professionally? If any of you have seen Saigon and seen John John as the engineer, think of like the exact opposite of that character, like the exact opposite, yeah. sweet and gentle and kind and loving and wise and and just the most down to earth person that is John John. Yeah. And not only is he intelligent, but he is so observant that he knows exactly it's almost like he knows exactly what you're going to ask and the answers that he had for me, the encouragement he had for me, not as just Kim. Uh, because for, for me, it was more important to get Eva, Eva needed to get her crap together in order to be, you know, present in rehearsals. He was there for both sides of that, mm-hmm. off stage and on stage. And he, I'm not, I'm not kidding. Without him, I would have not gotten through that first yeah. year. Yeah, 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 he yeah. was a lifesaver. And now a few words from our sponsors. Do you wake up humming Hamilton and singing Sondheim? Do you dream of a place where there are Shakespeare flash mobs, Happy Birthday is sung in harmony, and surprise Broadway guests fill your world? At Stage Door Manor, kids from every state and six continents spend their summer totally immersed in the magic of theater. 
I'm sure almost all of you know that Stage Door Manor is the inspiration for Todd Graff's movie Camp and Mickey Rapkin's book Theater Geek. But did you know that you've seen plenty of their alums on stage, screen, and behind the scenes? Natalie Portman, Mandy Moore, Zach Braff, Robert Downey Jr., Sean Levy, and Janine Tesori all spent their summers in the Catskill Mountains of New York. Stage Door Manor produces an unbelievable 42 full-scale shows in eight on-campus theaters, and there are more than 100 classes at beginning and advanced levels. Everything from playwriting to stage combat. If it's theater-related, they do it. Stage Door premieres include original stage versions of Rent, Avenue Q, Andrew Lippa's Wild Party, Woman in White, and High School Musical. Stage Door welcomes kids ages 10 to 18, and there are no auditions for admission. They accept all levels of experience and talent and find roles for students in shows where everyone can have his or her moment in the spotlight. Worth Magazine named Stage Door among the top 10 summer programs in the world, and it's been called the Hollywood High of Summer Camps by Playbill. No wonder sessions fill up quickly. Spots are almost gone for the summer, so hurry and go online to stagedoormanor.com for more info. One of the things we, you talked about it a little bit was like the amount of like the amount of like physical beating that yeah. Kim actually takes over the course of the yeah. show is hard to watch. Yeah, and it's um, you know, especially now, like I was saying before, being like a dad, you know how how. Just assure me that you're fine. Like, how how do you do it? I'm not okay. <laughs> do you need you to talk? Do you, do you need to talk to somebody? <laughs> how do you, how is that? How is that stage work done? Because it looks serious. Well, we have um, fight captains. Mm-hmm. Um, in in London, we have this amazing fight captain. Name was Kevin McCurdy, and he had done a lot of like TV series, or, like 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 masculine, like Viking TV series ish yep. kind of stuff. And um, he really just taught us how like it's not a dance, like. Chor- fight choreography is not a dance. It is. It might be musically set to a certain beat or a certain lyric, but it's something that it might not be the same every night and that it takes two people to really communicate with each other, with their bodies and with, you know, being on the same page. And I think we definitely revved it up since London, the fight scene. In rehearsal, Lawrence, I remember just went, what if this was all different? <laughs> and then he looked at me and said, what do you think? And I was like, I think Kim should get hit in the face oh. I think Kim should get and we did it we did all of that yeah. and John John was there he was like he was teaching some of the guys in, in New York you know um, what looks better when you hit someone with the butt of their gun and it's just it's great like it needs that yeah. in the scene or else you go well, it wasn't too bad when she went there she was on the run but it's not like she got beat up no it's, it is it's hard to watch it is it's hard, hard to, to watch, watch. but yeah. that's what we want it to feel like yeah. from an audience perspective um how, uh, what was I going to ask you? How, like, how, as you were getting close to your opening night mm-hmm. in London, did you feel ready? Yes and no. I felt ready if I was on stage with my cast, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I felt like we, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. But because I was in, like, my own little room, yeah. um, I, you know, that's when actors or when anybody, when anybody can get in their head and go, are you? Uh-huh. Are uh-huh, you, Eva? Of course. And there are times when, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, I didn't really have my Kim down to a T, I think until around five months after we opened. Mm-hmm. I hear that a, a ton on this podcast. Yeah. And, and you know, that it comes as a shock to some people. But for me, I was like, I cannot settle. That is my worst nightmare. It's just to settle to me, is failure. Yeah. And people also say that sometimes it just helps when the directors are gone and you can kind of just like settle into your own. Yeah. I I agree to an extent. I think the directors are there to help you and they have an eye that you will never have. And 
And that's great to hear that feedback after a show and go, oh, I did do that. Like my bad. I didn't even yeah, realize. Yeah. But then once all those notes are in your head and still like floating around, you know, after they leave and after, you know, OK, I know I messed up. Let's try again tomorrow. Yeah. Then it came, it came together. How long into your run in London did you know that – when did you know that it was coming to the U.S.? Because you, you were saying you did it for like a year and then you did Les Mis again for yeah, two years? Yeah, well, I did the revival as long as it ran because yeah. the revival ran almost two years. It was like two months until it was two years and <laughs> like it was it was heartbreaking. But I, th- I found out before um, – what was it? It was December of like 2016. No? 15. December of 2015, <laughs> I found out. Yeah. And I found that I heard in, from the grapevine. And I was like, what? And then it wasn't until, um, I think, a few weeks after that, that I got the call that my agent was like, <laughs> I remember exactly where I was. I had like like, like five bags, I'm not kidding, <laughs> with each arm just full of groceries from Tesco. And Were I get, you in London or here? I was in London, uh-huh. yeah. And I get a call from my agent. And he's like, hiya, in the, my, my wonderful <laughs> agent, Alistair. And he was like, so about Broadway. So... After, um, we're going to, because I had a few auditions lined up. I didn't know I was going to do Les Mis yet. He was like, we're going to make sure you can. I was like, wait, wait, what? Are you asking me or are you telling me? And he was like, oh, bro- they want you to go to Broadway. <gasps> and I was like, okay, thanks. Hung up. Didn't hit me. Went home. Unpacked the groceries. And then I like opened the um, living room door and I saw I saw my boyfriend. I was like, I'm going to Broadway. <laughs> he was like, what? I'm, like, I'm going to Broadway. I just started bawling. What a weird way to <laughs> I'm so That's weird. Amazing. It was so weird. I And then how long was it until you actually got to New York? Um, if that was around Christmas, January-ish, um, it, was a, it would be a year till that day that wow. I moved to New York. I mean, d- did, it, did it impact you at all that you were going to be bringing Miss Saigon back to the Broadway theater? Like the same theater where it had premiered 25 years before? I got excited, but it didn't hit me, hit me, like hit me. And I'm not kidding, um, until opening night. Sorry, not opening night until first preview. Yeah, like I was, li- I was literally shaking in the in the bows because it's it's different when you're doing it in front of the tech because it's like, eh, you know, we're just doing it for everyone else, like cast working together. But it wasn't until like there was an audience, and I was like, I'm in New York, I'm fulfilling my lifelong dream right now, yeah. doing Kim, and I was just bawling. I could not stop crying. Oh my goodness! What what, what happened? Like, did you go off stage and just collapse? I was t- well. My dresser was there. I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> And she was like, you did it. I was like, oh, I just couldn't, I couldn't speak. How was that rehearsal process for Broadway? Did you have like a full four weeks or how, like, what was that like? Oh, good question. I think it was a bit more than four weeks. Um, A lot of it was in the um, 42nd Street Studios. And then the rest of it was in the theater. It was great. To me, it was seamless. And 
the cast is so lovely. It just makes it easier to come to work and like want to play around and, and ex- not play yeah. around like off stage, but play with the actors and go, oh, let's try this. Let's try this. And the environment was just so bright. And with the, with the creatives um, working together with the cast to go, all right, what about this? What do you think about this? Yeah. It was just really open. And it was a good idea for us to stretch the plot a bit and to make uh-huh. it, to find points where we kind of maybe glazed over in London and go, let's, let's go, let's do this again, but let's kind of cultivate it a bit and make, see what comes out. Who came, who came with you? It, it was John, John and Alistair. John, John it? and Alistair and Rachel Lango. And who does she play? Gigi. Oh, she's so good. She's my sister. Why, why does Alistair look like that? After he left the first year of Saigon, because Alistair and I have a, a very like, you know, it's not brother and sister. That's what people say, but eh, it's, 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 it's weird if you say that because we make out every night. <laughs> um, it's, it's really friendly, but it's not like, <laughs> it's not like buddy, buddy, like best friends. Yeah. But there was so much respect. I have so much respect for him and we cannot always have a laugh. I'm nothing but comfortable with him. Um, and it's nice sometimes, you know, with his wife here to go out for a drink after every once in a while. Yeah. It's, he's just lovely. But, um, after he left Saigon, because he was busy planning his wedding in London, he messaged me like f- three months after, and I hadn't talked to him at all. With a, oh, <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling you this, <laughs> with a statue of like this, this like really, um, what are they called? Like, um, like the fat cherubs. That, oh, like the babies. Yeah, but like the real, really, really chubby one that looked like it was, you know, it was really chubby. He goes, <laughs> saw this and thought of you. <laughs> he was like, hope you're well. <laughs> Um, you did a really fascinating interview with my very dear friend, um, Louis Peitzman for BuzzFeed. Oh, amazing! Yeah. Yeah. And he was lovely. Yeah. Well, Louis has been on a mission for like the last year writing about, you know, diversity on Broadway mm. and specifically talking about Asian American actors on Broadway yeah. and, and like that, how that struggle is still very real to see the representation there. Oh my God, still there. today, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Like, what are your thoughts about being... Um, a part of a production, you know, that really is has it seems gone out of its way to like right the wrongs that are that came along with the first production. Yeah. Um. Honestly, I it, I never really saw this issue until I was exposed to Saigon and moving to London into the professional business. Because in high school, like it was like what you know, you don't cast somebody. Off right, color, of course, off, right. off ethnicity, you ca- cast them if they can sing the notes, if you can tell the story, and that's that. Mm-hmm. And for me, being being lovely and naive, I was <laughs> I I honestly had no idea it was that bad. Yeah, until I was going through it, and I was like, seriously, I know. Are we really? Are we really still having this issue? But then again, you know, with current events, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But honestly, I think it is about damn time. Mm-hmm. Seriously, the, uh, Asian Americans. I mean. I saw a tweet off some a celebrity that said the Philippines have more talent in every square foot of their country than most of America does. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, that is so true. But also, what about what about like the Japanese and South Koreans mm-hmm. and and Vietnamese and it, but Asian Americans have always been struggling with this, and they still are today. Isn't that it has amazing? not. It's not gotten. It. We've tried our best to push things forward, and we will. I will continue to push things forward because. Being of Mexico, also a Mexican American, yep. Filipino descent, I am. I'm always. It really irritates me to have someone think I can't do the same job, if not better, than somebody else of, you know, the common. Yeah, I don't, yeah. you know yeah. what I'm trying yeah. to say. Yeah, yeah, of course. And to know that I know so many talented people, to know that I work with someone like John John, who this is his Broadway debut. 
to know that he's that talented and he's only just been yeah. I would go it is about damn time yeah, yeah. Hamilton I mean you've I mean it's just such a beautiful example of diversity on stage mm-hmm. and what I'm grateful about for Hamilton in that it's gotten so famous it's gotten so popular with the actors that play it and the actors that make it what it is that if you think about Hamilton you don't even think about race anymore you just think how amazing the cast is you know yeah. what I mean yeah 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 that should be normalized that yeah. needs to be normalized and I'm lucky enough to work for Cameron he's I mean I wouldn't have been able to play Eponine had Leia Salonga not done Eponine many moons ago right. and you, do you know what I mean? And yeah, we, of right, course. Was it was it Monica Glover that was it was in the lame is here? Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Mo- Montego Glover. Yes, yes of sorry. course. Montego, Montego Glover was, was, was Fantine. Fantine. Yeah, and you know, to to us that is that is a huge deal now. That yeah. finally, and it's not just Asian Americans that. that minorities yeah. are finally getting exposed to the, the talent that they possess and it's equal across the board. It is spread thick across the board. Nothing's unbalanced. Nothing's uneven because we're all actors. We all have different things to offer. Yeah. And what's beautiful about Asian Americans is that, especially in Miss Saigon, you know, we're lucky enough to have um, like Christopher Vo and, and, and Kimberly Chong in our cast that they're, you know, Vietnamese. Yeah. They're, and they're in Miss Saigon. And, and when we were in rehearsals, you know, they, we, they, they helped us rewrite some of the lyrics to, um, um, or look over and help us pronunciate the words right for the new wow. wedding song. Yes. Yeah. And to have that, like, the realness in that and, like, that is, that's gorgeous to me. And it almost, it pisses me off that that's not normal yet. Yeah. 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 Totally. Like Ali Ewalt playing Christine Phantom. No. Yeah. Cameron gives these amazing, um, opportunities to, to actors like us. And, and it should be normal. It's funny when I was talking to Montego about playing Fantine, I was like, I had this big speech of a question. And she literally was like, I don't, what do you mean? Like, she literally was like, just yeah. expected that this would be her life. Like, it just never occurred to her that yeah. the opportunity wouldn't be there for her. Exactly. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Um, you're playing Kim on Broadway. I am? You are. You are. You are. You are. <laughs> just, you know, I know you already said it, but like the realization of like a life dream, like, do you have that moment when you're standing on the stage at any given point where you're like, oh, it's happening? Um, I think the only time that happened was the first preview. Yeah. I mean, I was I was shaking in some of it. And even like after we opened, sometimes I get shaky, like um, in the vlog I'm doing for Broadway.com. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I forgot the lyrics of Three Nights in the Road to Kim's story. I have never done that. Really? And so I had to literally write the lyrics on my pinky. <laughs> What do you do when you forget the lyrics? Do you just hum it? I've never... Okay, this is what I did. Are you familiar with the musical? Do you know the music? I know it, but I don't know that particular part. Okay, it's when she's like, do you want one more tale of a Vietnam girl? Oh, yeah, yeah, and of I'm, course. I, I, said, I looked at Alison and I said, do you want to be told how my village was burned? And then I just blanked. And I went, I was married. My parents were gone. <laughs> but like... And then I, I was shaking. Like in, before Sun and Moon, I was shaking because I was like... I wasn't married. I just ruined the whole. I ruined the whole rest of Miss Saigon tonight. What is wrong with me? And you can't really correct but that. Like, but like, just kidding. I wasn't married. I, I I've never. I, I've very few times forgotten the lyrics. Yeah. Is it terrifying? Like, do you then? Are you like, oh my god, is that going to happen again? I'm lucky. I was wearing two sets of panties. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's just like what that's like the actor nightmare terrifying. like what do you do like what I can't I, I literally I am not an actor and I have that nightmare from time to I'll time I'll tell you the worst 
time, like the worst fear I ever had. Because we have children, it's it's bit. Um, there's a lot of fragility that comes with handling children on I stage. I wanted to ask you about that. It, it, it's a lot of responsibility, and I'm lucky enough to be the, an older sister to two younger, my two younger siblings. So. I know how it is. Like, yeah, don't, yeah. Don't, don't you worry. Um, in London, we had one of the new Tams go on. Um, it was um, a little girl. And it was her first... In rehearsal, she was fine with the gunshot. She was fine with everything. We test them out to see if they get frightened. Uh, normally, the ones who are frightened do, don't really make the cut, which yeah. is good. We yeah, want them to yeah. be safe. and they want, We want them to feel comfortable. Um, and in the scene where... Um, with Tui, I don't want to give anything away, um, the gunshot goes off and she jumps and she's not during a show she, during the show and she's not supposed to turn around and look at Tui because obviously he has his hand up ready to do something terrible to her right and um, she turns around and sees it for the first time just li- in front of an audience in front of an audience because uh-huh. she'd seen it in rehearsals but in rehearsals we're, we're, we're not as full out and we're yeah. like we want to make sure she's comfortable but the gunshot really scared her that evening I think she must have been drifting off and she saw what Tui was doing and then, of course, he dropped back, and she just started shaking and screaming. And oh, I mean, no. I mean, screaming. And I mean, the audience, I bet, were like, "Wow, what a great little actor!" <laughs> like, she's going to win an Olivier Award. <laughs> what did you do? I immediately dropped the gun, ran to her, tried to act it out, yeah. and left the bag on stage and just booked it off stage. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. she was clinging to me for yeah. dear life. Yeah. Like, and so we had to calm her down, calm her down, and. I don't remember. I think we actually had to use the other Tam to go on yeah. for the remainder of It's the funny because the, the little person who plays your son in the show looks just like my daughter. Really? And I was like, if you were to cut my daughter's hair. How old is she? She's three. And oh they, my God, they, give her a year and bring well, her in. The thing is, two things. Number one, the gunshot would scare the shit out of her. She would it? She cannot oh handle no. like those loud noises. Would it really though? I mean, maybe not if she was like, I mean, she's grown up in this community, so I think she would get it. But like, number two, I see how docile that little kid is like walks to you and you pick him up my daughter would not do that my daughter would literally have a mind of she would just be like walking around the set like picking things up oh, trust me we have we have some like that still. <laughs> but me being the older sister and i see everyone being all friendly and i'm like you need to stop it now yeah totally totally. <laughs> you gotta mix in the the friendliness with the <laughs> stop it <laughs> well i am obsessed with you oh my god that's hilarious i like, am median. so happy for you like i Thank could you. scream like that little kid from miss saigon in the west end okay um because i'm best. so happy for you <laughs> <laughs> wrong context it's fine you can do the same thing. <laughs> well we are looking forward to a very bright award season and maybe you'll come back and talk to us again. That would be great. This oh my has God, been so much fun. It. Yes. Thank you for doing this. I know you're so busy. I'm not busy. <laughs> I'm not busy at all. Sweat dripping down my face from running. No, I'm joking. I'm not busy. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye, guys. I waved. You didn't ask me to be born. You. Why should you learn of war or Theater People is a product of Theater Podcast Productions and is produced by Mike Jensen and me, Patrick Hines. Mike edited this episode. Special thanks to our Patreon associate producers, Robbie Roselle, Cynthia Wallach, and Ty Williams. You can become a Patreon supporter for as little as $1 per month, and we would love you for it. Just go to patreon.com and search for Theater People Podcast or click the link from our website. 
Special thanks also to Steve Tipton, Eric Emsch, Keith Allen Herzog, Ellen Marsh, and the staff at Oswald's. We'll be back on Thursday of this week to chat with Gabriel Ebert, who's currently co-starring with Harvey Firestein in Gently Down the Stream at the Public Theater, which I insist that you go see. He also won a Tony Award at the age of 25 for his Broadway debut as Mr. Wormwood in Matilda. So until then, tell your friends about us. Let's get the theater community talking. Some nights I wake up Reaching for him I feel his shadow brush my head But it's just moonlight on my bed Was he a ghost? Was he a lie? That made my body laugh and cry Then by my side the proof I see His little one God's up the sun